coming in as Bloom. Millendike centered it. We are underway this hour. Welcome to this hour of Flamestock. It is Thursday, December 7th with Aaron Vickers of NHL.com. My name is Pat Steinberg. Welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit CalgaryLockAndSafe.com. Hello, Vix. Patrick, how are we this fine oh, Thursday? I'm doing well. Um, and uh, it's time for our Flamestock mailbag. I'm excited yeah, for this. Is. Because... Um, we, we tried to do this one week ago. Uh, back on the final day of November, we tried to do a Flames Talk mailbag, and then two minutes into the show, starting live, Nikita Zadorov got traded. So we scrapped the mailbag, and the, the two hours and the post-game show, basically all of last Thursday, was about the Zadorov trade. Well, here we are a week later. It's Thursday, December 7th on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're coming at you from the Scotiabank Saddledome. It's time to go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. It's that time to stock up for the celebrations that matter with ingredients that help make memories. Visit Calgary Co-op where life's in store. It's time to do a little Flamestock mailbag at 960-960. And, and honestly, wherever you want to go, if you're still pissed about the Zadorov trade, get your thoughts or questions in there. If you got questions about other other potential trades. There's all the news about how close Toronto was to acquiring both Zadorov and Chris Tanev. There's Hannafin, Lindholm in the conversation. There's this guy should be on that line or that guy should be healthy scratched or this guy should be uh, should be re-signed. All of those things are on the table. Plus, there's lots of goaltending conversation surrounding this team as well. 960-960 on the text line. And uh, we've got a few to start us off. And usually the way this goes, you've only done this once before, right? I believe so. Usually the way this goes is that as the mailbag continues, uh, the questions really start to pour in. And then by the end, we got so many that we don't um, we don't have enough time to get to them all. The great thing is is that you are an excellent captain and I'm sure you'll steer this ship in the proper direction. Yeah, we'll see about that. But I will say we got a few to start us off. So here's the deal. Uh, send your question or comment into 960-960. We'll just bounce around and uh, for the next hour here on Flames Talk, we'll take your texts and, and respond and react to them. Want to leave your uh, name? You don't have to put your first and, first and last name on it. It's not a contest, but if you want to put your name on it, we can uh, absolutely Absolutely. Um, read your name, and then we can try to tailor our answer. Mix in a location there, to too. You. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to it, and let's start from Jay- with Jason, who says, "I got two questions. Is Ethan Bear an option for the Flames? And do you know how close Shillington is?" Well, on the Ethan Bear front, that's a, that's actually a really interesting question. We know that Bear is one of those names that has all of a sudden um, been in trade rumors once again. He's been on the move quite a bit over the last couple of years. Um, I, uh, I, I don't know. Um, if you could get bear for a very low price, um, well, as, he might be looking for a show me one year deal to yeah. get him through the balance of this season. If you could, if you could get him on, on a similar deal to Mark Peshek and, and what they did with him, I, I, I'd, I'd be okay with that. He's 26 years old. Um, he's a right shot depending on how things go with Pesic in the American league. 
I uh, on a on a one year prorated show me deal for a twenty six year old. I, I wouldn't mind the Flames going after a guy like Bear, especially if they end up trading a guy like Chris Tanev. There's another right shot in your organization that you can evaluate. So if you ask me, a guy who has played in this uh, neck of the woods for a long time, he's been in two Canadian markets. He knows what that's all about. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I think a guy like Ethan Bear would absolutely be uh, or, or or could be an option i as an unrestricted free agent i I wouldn't mind that as a potential target at all especially once they if they decide to move off of a couple defensemen here yeah i'd be curious to give them a look and uh, actually elliot friedman in the 32 thoughts had an update on ethan bear yesterday i I believe that that's when the article came out another possibility for toronto and everyone else is ethan bear there's word tonight that teams interested will now be allowed to watch him skate he's based in Kelowna, and a few are going to go take him up on the offer vancouver would like to keep him he's interested in a return but the canucks are cap tight and there are others who can try to outbid if i'm the calgary flames there's no acquisition costs well there's minimal acquisition costs i guess if you want to look at it that way I'd give him a look, absolutely. And it and and doesn't even necessarily, to, you, to, to that point, doesn't even necessarily have to be at NHL minimum like it was for Pesic coming off of, of all those injuries. Right. You could be in a situation where you could give them, especially, again, once you're in a spot where if, you, if they do, over the next month or two, decide to trade away a Tanev, trade away a Hannafin, you could easily offer him one times one or one times one and a half or something like that for a show-me deal that doesn't impact your cap beyond this season. And and if he plays well, well, then maybe you can think about bringing him back next year. If he doesn't, maybe you don't. Or if he plays well for it, maybe that's a trade deadline chip that you've got come March 8th. I, I would see no downside in going down that road if you're the Flames. And this is just one of those things that have opened up as a possibility for the Calgary Flames in the last week by moving Zadorov because suddenly you have the roster flexibility, you have the cap yeah. flexibility that you'd never had prior to a Nikita Zadorov trade. So if this is one of the avenues the Calgary Flames wanted to go down, free up some cap space, free up a contract space, not that they're near the 50-man limit or anything like that, but this is one of those things that can open up by taking a third and a fifth in exchange for Nikita Zadorov. And then the other question was, how close is Oliver Shillington? Uh, it's a fair question, but and, and I don't try, I'm not trying to shut the question down, but it, it kind of, he's closer, and that's, that's about all. And and I say that because I, I think it's really important that on the outside, we don't put any expectations on it the same right. way the Flames aren't putting any expectations on it. He comes back when he's ready, and he'll know when he's ready. The Flames, I think, have handled this like like a, a, a real first-class organization. Um, and And I just think with something as delicate as what Oliver's gone through over the last couple of years here, the fact that he has been skating. So he skated for the first time with the team on Friday of optional last week. Uh, they were at Max Bell, did an optional skate. And I believe he has been at team facilities every day since. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Like I believe he's been skating the entire way through. Now he is yet to skate with the entire group. When he skates with the, if when he skates with the entire group, that's when you know that maybe we're talking about actually something being within a few weeks of him being able to try a return to play. I I still don't want to put timelines on it. I think it is very positive from a just straight up personal standpoint for the young man. 
and also from a hockey standpoint, secondary, that he has been back with the team and has been feeling strong enough and, and feeling in a really good spot so that he can come to the rink and be around and be on dome ice and all that type of stuff. But in terms of an actual timeline, I think that's still uh, very up in the air. And, and I just I don't think it's fair to be putting expectations on right, yeah. when he joins the group and when he goes on a conditioning stint with the Wranglers and when he rejoins in the NHL. But I do think, at the very least, we've got some really positive momentum and, most importantly, really positive momentum for him as a person. Yeah, the only thing I would add to everything that you said there is that this isn't necessarily a linear situation where it's step one, two, three, four, five, and then he's back with the Flames. I'm not putting any expectation on a return. Whatever's best for Oliver is best for the Flames in my books. Uh, That's from Jason. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for kicking us off, and now they're starting to roll in. Uh, Alan says, in my opinion, if you take away the first 10 games and all the noise the Flames have been playing, uh, some pretty entertaining hockey. They, They, You know, outside of the Minnesota game where they were horrid, they actually have been playing some pretty good hockey. Like, the games they played in November, they had success, but they were also fairly entertaining games, right? And so if you take away the first 10 games, uh, the Flames were 2-7-1 and one in right. the first 10. That would make them 8-5-2 and two in the 13, 15 games since. And that's not an incredible record. That's not a conference championship record. That's not a number one seed record, but that's a whole lot more competitive. It's a playoff record. That's, especially in the Western Conference. Um, that's a whole lot more competitive than their first 10. And in the month of November, they were a really fun team to watch, and they had some they had some fun games. Like, even the comebacks. The comebacks were fun, but like the Toronto game. They didn't win that game, but that was just a really entertaining hockey game that had a bunch of goals and was back and forth. And and that 2-1 win over Vegas on Monday of last week, that was just a really entertaining hockey game. Didn't have a lot of goals, but it just had everything you wanted in a Pacific Division divisional showdown. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Alan. They have been playing some pretty entertaining hockey Tuesday night notwithstanding. Yeah, absolutely. Even in the stretch where they've given up the first goal in, what is it, seven straight as it stands right now, there's been an entertainment factor to the game there's been drama there's been swings in momentum like for the most part if you're paying to buy a ticket to come sit at Scotiabank Saldom and watch the Calgary Flames more often than not recently you've gotten some bang for your buck on the entertainment value uh this one comes from Tyler who says quick question about Dylan Dubé I know he plays his butt off every shift and I love that he's a Cochrane kid but that poor guy can't score a goal even if the goalie stood by the boards he'd still manage to hit the crossbar what do you guys think the Flames should do with him trade him keep moving forward uh and hoping he breaks out of his curse what would you do well here's my feel on Dylan first of all I know that Dubé has kind of been that guy this year so far. Every year the, there seems to be, and I'm, this is not a criticism of fans at all, but every year there seems to be that player on the text line or that player on social media that there's a lot of, why is he in the lineup? Last year it was Trevor Lewis. The year before it was Brett Ritchie. You know, it's been Matt Stajan. There's been lots of other guys. Sam Bennett for a little bit was one, wasn't it? You'd have a better clue in on the text line and the, and the post-game show and all Sam that. I don't think Sam Bennett was ever a guy that people were saying why is he playing it was more like why is he getting more of an opportunity or why is he getting jerked around was maybe at least in my recollection was maybe more the feel on Bennett but 
Dylan has been that guy this year. I see it on my um, I see it on my Twitter all the time. Like, why is he playing? When's Dubé going to get scratched? So on and so forth. Had a couple of people chirp me about uh, an article I wrote late last year uh, after the season uh, on a mailbag at Sportsnet.ca, where essentially we were just I don't remember what the question was, but I suggested, hey, you know, Dylan Dubé might be a good candidate for one of those projection contracts. Young, coming off a great year. He had 45 points last yeah. year and, and has been trending from a production standpoint in a really good direction. Back-to-back 18-goal seasons. Yeah, and, and with a more permanent role and with more power play time, I think that would have been higher than 18. Well, obviously, I think, I, well, I know I threw out, uh, like, okay, something in the ballpark of 6 by 6 would be a good way, good kind of projecting contract. And, well, that doesn't look so good right now with the way that he has started the season. I will grant you that. I'll take the L on that one. Um, three goals, seven points in 24 games. A few things on Dylan. I do think we're talking about him being super snake bit. Uh, there's been a few times. I think he actually is a pretty decent NHL finisher. You don't score 36 goals in two seasons uh, without being a pretty decent finisher. And those two seasons, he's been a middle six forward. Um, so I actually think he is a strong finisher. This year, he is not finishing very well, and and there's definitely some bad luck that have played into it, that has played into it, but I also think um, I also think there's been some frustration on Dylan's end, uh, and there's been mo- mostly just frustration in the way things have gone, that things haven't been going in, uh, and so I think that you've seen some of that frustration at times on the ice, which has led to some mistakes and things like that. Um, so my point would be, I guess, to wrap it all in a... And, and the other thing about Dylan is is that because he's versatile and because the coaching staff believes he can play all three forward positions, sometimes I feel it's a little bit more difficult, whether it was Daryl Sutter or even now in, in with this coaching staff, yeah. I feel like it's been a little bit more difficult for him for better or worse, right or wrong, for him to find a role. Because when it's like, okay, well, we need to plug and play somebody. Well, Dylan can play the right side. We need somebody to go in there. Or Dylan can play center on the fourth line. We need need somebody to go in there. And I think that's also made it difficult for him to find a role. All that being said, he needs to produce more. He'd be the first one to tell you that he needs to produce more. I'm still a big fan of the player. I still think there is a lot there. um, And I, I still think there's lots of growth there for the player. And I think you need players like Dylan Dubé, who, because of the year that he's having so far, is still going to give you pretty good value on a cap hit. Uh, last year, at just a shade under $3 million at 45 points, Dylan Dubé gave you great value on his contract, and those guys are important to have in your middle six of forwards. So that's what I would say about Dylan. I think he's snake bit. I think he's been frustrated. I think he needs to play better and be more consistent. And I also think that it would be incumbent and smart of the flame to just let him continue to work through it and, and not be looking to quote-unquote sign off on or, or, or move off of him. That would be my opinion. Yeah, to me there's a little chicken or the egg thing going on with Dylan Dubé. He's got one point in his last nine games and it's an assist, so that means he's got nine straight without scoring. The chicken and the egg for me is he hasn't found a role and that's on both him and the coaching. Has he not found a role because he hasn't produced, or is he not producing because he hasn't found a role? Uh, bottom line is, is that Dylan Dubé needs to go out and, and be more productive and be more impactful. That goes beyond goals and assists, and it's good timing that uh, the Dylan Dubé question comes up because I asked Ryan Husky yesterday, what are you seeing that you like out of Dylan Dubé, and what do you need to see more of? Well, Ryan Huska really likes his speed, and to be perfectly honest, he's the fastest player on the Calgary Flames in terms of 
up and down the ice. But the other thing that he needs to see, Ryan Huskin needs to see out of Dylan Dubé, is he needs to start playing through guys more as opposed to, and the example he uses at the offensive blue line, instead of trying to tip a puck by a defenseman and going around him to, to maybe cheat a little bit on the offense, play through that guy to make sure that you've taken care of your responsibility and then try to go that way. So again, a little bit of a chicken and the egg situation, at least in my opinion on Dylan Dubé, but he's got to get it sorted out. It's on the player first and foremost. Uh, 960-960, it's your Flames Talk mailbag. Get your questions in, get your thoughts in. We're doing it for the rest of the hour here on Flames Talk. Uh, this from Dale from the Hamptons. Thoughts on trading both Hannafin and Lindholm to Boston and retaining money to bring back a serious return. At this point, whatever. If you're getting the best return, if that's going to get you an absolute haul all day, every day, do that if you can make it work. I don't know how feasible that would be. Now, the good news is is that if you're eating half, half of both Lindholm and Hannafin, that's still a cap hit of less than $5 million before it's prorated. So if you're the Bruins, One you, bite could, at a time. No. you could easily bring both those guys in for the rest of this season uh, and, and not have to worry too much about your salary cap, especially if there's retention and especially if there's money going back the other way. So Boston or any other team, if they were looking for a package deal of Hannafin and Lindholm, uh, that, that really wouldn't be all that difficult because of how palatable their cap hits are. What would become more of an issue would be retaining both of them because they're both in line for decent raises. I would suggest they're both going to get, like if Hannafin is in the seven million dollar range. Well, that's a two plus million dollar raise. And if Lindholm's in the eight million dollar range, it's a three plus million dollar raise. So now you're looking at having to add an extra five or so million dollars onto your cap on top of it. So that would become a little bit difficult. But to Dale's question, sure, whatever's going to get the Flames the best return. If they're trading those guys and that's going to get you a big time sizable return from the Bruins all day, every day, do it. Yeah, if you need to put them together to maximize the return and retain salary, whatever the team is, if it's the Boston Bruins, if it's another team, you absolutely do it. In Boston in particular, I don't know if they have necessarily the assets to go about landing both of them. And as it stands right now, they're $2 million into LTIR with 59000 in projected cap space. So making the financial end of that work is probably a little bit trickier, even despite the low contracts and despite the fact that you're able to retain but at the end of the day, it's if you if you put them together and that gives you the best return, or you separate them and trade them separately and gives you the best return, that's the avenue to take. And in my opinion, I think keeping them independent of each other is probably the best way to go. And best case scenario, if you're able to sign and trade on them, you're going to get even more than for uh, them in return. Whatever you've got to do is Craig Conroy and the Calgary Flames to make sure you're bringing back absolutely as much as you can. That's the route to take. Um, Jeff says, how close are Pelche and Poirier? Quinton also asked about how close Pelche is to returning. Uh, Pelche is skating again, but I still think that we're probably, I, I think we're talking about 2024. That's been what I've been told all along, is that 2024, January, is, is a good way of, uh, of ballparking it. And that's not that far away. That's uh, less than a month. Just jarring to hear 2024 is less than a month. That's when, you, when you're looking at you're my like, face oh, going, we're that close? Ugh, 2024. Uh, they, they also don't want to rush it because they want to give, they, they want to make sure that Pelche has an opportunity to get a bunch of practices in, maybe go on a conditioning stint to the Wranglers, yeah. and then come in. Like, Craig Conroy doesn't want to rush this thing. And, and just having talked to a couple of different people about 
about Pelche. You know, they're they're really kid-gloving this one and making sure that he's in the best position to come back and succeed. And so when he gets into the NHL lineup, probably sometime in the new year, he's ready to just hit the ground running. He's not worried about his shoulder. His shoulder's back at full strength. His pace is as close as you're possibly going to be able to get it for January NHL hockey. And he can jump back in and have a, a really strong, good second half of the season. So, yeah, I, I think January, sometime in January is a fair expectation. Everything that I've been told, January seems realistic. As for Poirier, that's a little bit more up in the air, and that remains long-term. Like, that was a major, major cut, and it takes a significant amount of time to heal a cut like that, uh, to get strength back in your arm. you got to make sure there's no infection, all that type of stuff. So it, it is a significant period of time that Poirier is going to be out still. Yeah, and again, that's one you're not going to rush, and I can't speak for Poirier on the situation, but I know I'd be a little tentative getting back on the ice after something like that. In terms of uh, Jacob Peltier, I'm willing to bet either the Wilsey bottle of line or going double or nothing on that fine I sustained earlier in the show that there would be a conditioning stint involved as well before he's back up in the member of the Calgary Flames. There's no downside to it. You've got the AHL team in Calgary. Conditioning stint only makes sense. Same thing with Kevin Rooney when he's ready to return. Conditioning stint just makes sense. Get some games in at a really high level, but not the highest level, and give yourself a little bit more of an opportunity to jump back into the NHL uh, guns a-blazing. This says at 960-960, it's our Flames Talk mailbag. Guys, would you try and put Walker Dewar on waivers and call up Coronado? Uh, That comes from James in Canyon Meadows. Uh, Yes and no. No on the Dewar on waivers thing at this point because I don't think you need to. Um, I think you want to wait a little bit on that front. Um, But I do think Coronado on a recall at some point would make a lot of sense. Now, you once the goaltending situation is sorted out and Jacob's ready to come back and assuming that they go back to only carrying two goaltenders, well, you'd be able to recall Coronado. Yes. You've got roster and cap space, so you'd be able to do it. Um, so... For me, I think at some point bringing Coronado back into the conversation makes a lot of sense. I just at, at this point, especially because you might be trading a Lindholm, I, I don't know if you need to put anybody on waivers right away. And look, I don't know if Walker Dewar would get claimed if you put him on waivers right now or not. But I still think that you know he was a real important player for you last year. I don't think that that just goes away automatically. I still think he can be an effective player for him this year. Two, even though it hasn't been the the greatest first couple months of his season. Yeah, I think there's still something there in Walker Dewar. And in regards to Matt Coronado, as you mentioned, the Calgary Flames are carrying three goalies right now. Once they get back down to two, they'll be at 22 on the active roster, yep. meaning there's space to bring Coronado back up. So I don't think it's a long-term thing where it's like, oh, is Coronado ever coming back? I think he will come back. I think it's sort of just a matter of time. And again, he's... Done everything you asked of him in the AHL, at least from a statistics perspective, with eight goals and 18 points in 14 games. And you couple in the fact that the Calgary Flames power play hasn't been necessarily where they want it to be. The scoring 
you know, it's going to be depth by committee or scoring by committee for the Calgary Flames. And that shot that Matt Coronado has is one of the best on the Calgary Flames. Yeah. I don't think we're talking about, oh, man, it's February or March and we still haven't seen Matt Coronado back. Uh, 960-960, if you're listening live, it's our Flames Talk mailbag. You can still get your questions in for the rest of the hour here on this hour of Flames Talk with uh, Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. Lots more still to get to. Lots of time for you to still get some in on our Thursday Flames Talk mailbag. The first half of our mailbag has been inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Flames fans, meet Cal and Gary. Top products curated for Calgarians, and we mean every single one of you. Only available at Calgary Co-op. Visit them today. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Flames Talk mailbag on this Thursday. Half one, pretty good, hey? They, 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 they come... They come at you pretty hot and heavy. I feel like we need to argue a little bit more, though, Patrick. No. Coming at this you. Contrarian. Hey, coming at you on your drive home on a Thursday. It's Flames yeah. Talk Mailbag. It gets uh, me every time. You love it. Somehow. I love when it. When I find out that somebody likes something that I do, oh, boy, you're never getting the oh, end of it. Because, can't wait. Look, you... there are very few people who like the things that I do. So Beat that uh, into the ground. Can't wait. Uh, let's uh, ju- dive right back in. You still have time on the text line at 960-960. And uh, get your questions in. We're going anywhere. Um, this says from Jesse in Big Valley. Uh, how come it seems like nobody's talking about how average Andrew Manchapani's been? For my money, he needs to be a lot better, or he should be dropped down the lineup and shopped for a trade as well. Now, actually, that has been something that we've talked about a little bit more over the last little bit. I want to say it was last week. Uh, you, Derek, and I had a conversation about it on the roundtable. Um, I think Andrew Mangiapane does have to be better. He he needs to be a more impactful player on this team. Uh, he needs to be a guy who is more of an offensive threat. Now, you know, his points aren't bad, but I, I think Mangiapane is the type of player that, that needs to be, should be, um, an impact maker on a nightly basis. And it doesn't have to be just by points. He's the type of player that with the way he plays, his two-way game, he can be an impact maker in different ways. And I just don't think he has been as consistently this year. Now, much like the conversation we had earlier this hour about Dylan Dubé, I'm a huge Mangiapane fan as a player. Guys that, that play the two-way game and who just always, prior to this year, have always been you know very reliable. You know exactly what you're going to get from um, you know a shot volume standpoint from a defensive standpoint I always really appreciate those players so I I think that there's still a really good player and and a much better player than what we've seen a lot of nights from Andrew Manchapani and the fact of the matter is the Flames are going to take a a step he's going to have to be part of it my interpretation from 80 feet and whether it's right or it's wrong come at me but I feel like he's still trying to be a 35 goal scorer and not trying to be the player that allowed him to score 35 goals, if that makes any sense for you. I think he needs to be more tenacious, more pesky. He needs to be around it more in front of the net, whether it be screening the goalie or just cross-checking defensemen, tipping shots, getting rebounds, what have you. If he goes back to sort of those fundamentals, then the goals will start to come. I feel like in that 35-goal year, probably 27, 28 of them came within 15 feet of the blue paint. I think that's just where he needs That's where goals are scored is in and around the goalie's face. And I think he needs to get back to that more to, to find that scoring touch again. But to, to the Texter's points, right, he hasn't been productive. He's got one point in his last five games. There's certainly a lot more. We've seen it from him, but we need to see it now. 
this from Jesse, who says, uh, Dubé's had his run. It's time to move on, especially once Pelche returns. In the meantime, bring up Coronado instead and sit Dubé. I get he's a good room guy, but that isn't transitioning to the ice, it seems, with all his skill. Let Wolf run a long time on this. We want to see the future goalie. That's from Jesse. The only thing that I would say uh, on on the Dubé front is it 45 points from a guy in his early 20s or mid-20s, that's not something that you sneeze at either. And I think it's really important to point out that Dylan Dubé's 45 points, 18 goals and 27 assists. Did I do that math correctly? Uh, 18 goals and that 27 would be assists. 45. Those came with very little power play time last year. He was one of their best five-on-five point producers last season. And so it just, I know he's off to a slow start. I know that it has not been the, the type of start that he or a lot of fans would have liked. But it just it, it's, it's really strange to me that what happened last year when he had a career year after another career year, the prior, prior year is so quickly forgotten. And it's, oh, well, no, it's time to get rid of him, time to trade him. Sometimes you have down seasons. This, we're still talking about a player who plays with a lot of pace, who I do think is a pretty decent NHL finisher this season notwithstanding. I just, I'm, I'm not ready to go down that road and um, talk about completely moving on or, in, in this case, getting rid of the player because I still think there's something there. Well, I think part of the issue is... And a he, lot there, to be perfectly honest. He had that productive season a year ago at the age that you mentioned, and that was a step from the season prior. And so now you're looking for him to take the next step. And not only has he not taken the next step, he didn't stay where he was. He's taken a step back. And I think that's probably what's drawing the ire of the Flames fan base. But I get, I, I understand that. But like, guy, that happens in, in like the yeah. Players I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not saying that it, um, it's linear and development is linear, and that he's going to extrapolate year over year. Okay, if you've improved by. 10% this year, he's going to improve 10 next year and the year after and the year after, so on and so forth. I understand the frustration. The fact of the matter is, is he's one of those players that could be on the rebuilding side, and he's one of those players that should be on the team that contributes to push for a playoff spot. And right now, he's not really giving you confidence that he's in either of those windows right now, I think. Um, I mean, he is... Not having the the greatest start, but I'm not ready to. Oh, I'm not. Sign I'm not done off on on who he is as a player either. Um, this says on the text line at nine sixty nine sixty. By the way, I just went and pulled it up. Uh, last year, Dylan Dubé fifth on the team in five on five or even strength points, and was one point of being tied for second. So Toffoli led the way with forty eight even strength points. Then Backlund, Lindholm, Huberdo all had forty. Dubé had thirty nine. Dubé had more than Kadri, Manjapani, Coleman last year yeah. at five on five. Like that is not something to sneeze at, and that's not something to just say, oh well, no, he's done. Get rid of him that's that's I guess the only point that I'm making is so does that mean that that year where he built on a career year the year before no we just ignore that and this is what he is that it's kind of the the pushback I've always had with Markstrom why was it so easy to buy into well no Markstrom is done because of last year one awful season that's what he is he's done what about the body of work before that that's kind of the same point I'm making on on Dylan Dubé here um this says, one question, do you think the defensive zone coverage is working better or would you rather see them go back to what they were doing before? Seems like there's still a lot of scramble plays in their own end. That's from Mike and Eritre. I, I do think that that has 
definitely calmed down from the first month of the season. They, they look just a whole lot more comfortable, you know, not just defensively, but overall in terms of some of their systems. Just seems like reads are a whole lot more natural. The switches in the defensive zone are a whole lot more automatic. Um, you know, again, Tuesday night against Minnesota, notwithstanding, I think they, just as a team, they do look a whole lot more comfortable with a lot of that X's and O's stuff. Yeah, I I didn't buy it in through the first 10 games of the season, but what we've seen since, and of course that first 10 games was a significant adjustment period for the defense and the centers in particular for the Calgary Flames, I think we've seen a lot better cohesiveness between the defense and the centers and even to a certain degree the wingers up top in, in identifying the areas and the regions that they're supposed to be in on the ice, realizing that when the play moves okay, this is my responsibility, this isn't my responsibility. I think we've seen them adjust. I think he would have liked to have had it happen sooner, but again, not uh, the past game withstanding. I think we've seen generally it trend much more significantly better in the direction of positive than what we saw through the first 10 or 12 games of the year. Um, this says, uh, this from uh, Mark in Calgary, who is uh, on the road to uh, Carberry, Manitoba. He's, uh, he is helping our country move. He's one of our truckers. Uh, have the Flames looked into signing Phil Kessel? He's a proven goal scorer and leader. Well, I do know a year ago, so the summer of 2022, the Flames absolutely looked into signing Phil Kessel and kicked tires there and were one of the teams that were looking at bringing him in he ended up signing a one-year deal with the Vegas Golden Knights I don't believe that is something that they're as interested in this year and the reason why um Mark is because they, they really do want to go younger and they don't want to they, they want to have spots open for younger players. They don't want to have bodies and contracts that could potentially block younger players from jumping in. So I, that that would be my answer to that one. Well, and in all due respect, Kessel was a proven goal scorer in 1920 with Arizona. He had 40, 14, pardon me, and 70. Next year he had 20 and 56, so that's actually not so bad. But then Eight and 82, 14 and 82 last season with the Vegas Golden Knights. I think in that situation with an aging veteran, you probably want to keep those spots free for the kids to see what we can do because there's a sense of chance that you might not see a Pospisil or a Zeri if Phil Kessel is on your roster. Yeah, that's, that's kind of exactly the point. Um, this says from Mike. What is the uh, realistic expectation that an Emilio Pedersen gets a shot at being the next forward called up? I would say he would be a little further down that depth chart. Well, I would uh, say just we're talking outside of Coronado because I yeah, feel like Coronado would, say, would be the next one. I would one. say he would be maybe kind of number three on that depth chart, Coronado. I Klapka? still think Klapka would be the guy that might get the next look. And then a guy like Pedersen, and he had well, a good training camp, really strong training camp for Emilio. I think that he opened a lot of eyes and, and really um, had the, the organization feeling good about him. Trent Cull, when he joined us on Mondays, has nothing but good things to say about him. Um, that being said, I, I still think it would go Coronado and, and probably Klapka on the recall front. Now, all dependent on what the, exactly they're exactly. looking for, but I, I do think he would be considered, and I do think he's put himself in a much better conversation in that regard compared even to last year. Yeah, for me, it would depend on the role that's vacant on the Calgary Flames that they're looking to fill, because I could even see a situation where a guy like Cole Schwint, if you're looking for a, a bottom six player or a fourth line player, whether it be on the wing or center, you know, somebody with a little versatility, a right shot, then there, there's that 
name to toss out there as well. But I'm in agreement with you. Coronado, excluding him, you've still got Adam Klapka that I think is going to get a look. Uh, I'll go a little more rapid fire so we can get to as many as we can here. Uh, this from Bretton Calgary. Kind of sucks that a lot in this city are so ready to, to just bin a player. Not everyone's on their game 100% of the time. People need to relax and let the players play. That's from Bretton Calgary talking, I think, specifically about the conversation about uh, Dylan Dubé in that respect. Uh, this says both Dubé and Mange need a kickstart. They're way off their game at the moment. Maybe sitting one at a time for one game each could help. Um, this says regarding Dubé and Mange, it isn't so much that as fans we've given up, but at the current production, it's replaceable and perhaps it's a case of looking for players that would better fit with the high-priced talent. The, the one thing on Mange is uh, Mangiapane, I mean, I don't know, 13 points, is that super replaceable on this team? He is still one of their leading scorers, 14 points, rather, in 24 games. There's only one, Tied for fourth. two, three players on the team who have more points than Andrew Mangiapane does. Uh, Huberdeau's got 15, Lindholm's got 17, Kadri's got 16, uh, and then it's Mangiapane and Uyghur at 14. And so. only four players have more goals, too, if you want to just go from a straight goal-scoring perspective, and that's probably part of the issue, too, is, yeah, the um, statistically they look like down years, but this is how the Calgary Flames are built. It's going to be by committee. There's not going to be one guy that's running away with a point-per-game pace, whether or not you think an Elias Lindholm or a Nazem Kadri or so on and so forth should be producing at that pace. That's not necessarily the formula that we're seeing here. Uh, Patton Vickers, uh, why is ownership so reluctant to tear it down for a full rebuild? I think fans would be receptive to being bad for two to three years and being back in the playoffs once the new rank opens. That comes from Ryan. Um, I, You know, I, 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 I think that... The simple answer, not being the majority owner, Murray Edwards, but I think that the simple answer is business and and the fear that um, not being competitive hurts ticket sales would be my just my on the surface guess as to why there has been that reluctance. Um, that being said, we don't know what the like. I, I think that they. There will be a sign-off to go in a different direction if that's what Craig Conroy really wants to do and if, if Craig decides that he would really like to go in a different direction, then I think that there would be the sign-off from the very top to be able to do that. Um, and then the other part is I do agree. I, I think that there is a consideration about the new arena. I don't think that that is irrelevant. I think the opportunity to have a really strong team when that building opens and hopefully 2026 uh, or 2027 or whatever it might be, um, I, I think that, that that is a consideration that should be taken into account here. I think one element too is we've seen a lot of teams tear it right down to the studs and then spend a decade rebuilding and I can see the fear not just from a Calgary Flames perspective but other teams as well looking at a full teardown going We've seen a lot of teams go this route and be stuck in a decade of darkness, if you will. And I can see the scenario being where the Calgary Flames don't want to find themselves rebuilding two or three times as opposed to just getting it done once. Um, this reads, uh, Pat, can you clarify something? Where'd this text go? I had this. and There it is. Pat, can you clarify something? When Oliver's ready to play games again, can he go down to the Wranglers on a conditioning assignment? Yes. In fact, theoretically, any player on any team on any contract is eligible to be put on a conditioning assignment. Uh, the, there, are, there are just a couple of caveats that go with it. First of all, it has to be like consented to. There has yes, to be an agreement the on one. the other side. So if a player 
player on a one-way contract um, is asked to go on a conditioning stint to try to get their game back or to ramp themselves back up to a return, they have to agree to go on a conditioning stint. That's number one. Number two, you only have 14 days to be in the American League, so it's a two-week conditioning stint, and then you have to come back up. Number three, while you're on that conditioning stint, you still count on the cap. So there's no cap relief on a conditioning stint, and that's really important as well. So you still got to remain cap compliant with that salary on there. So for instance, if you were a player on LTIR who came off of LTIR and then were to go on a conditioning stint, um, then you'd also have to have cap considerations that go into that. All that being said, answer is yes. Oliver Shillington could absolutely be sent to the Wranglers, and I would imagine both sides would be very interested in doing that to get his game back up to a level where he's ready to return, hopefully, to the NHL, and hopefully at some point this season. Well said. I don't have much to add to that other than the fact that Connor McDavid could go on a conditioning stint if he uh, consented to to it. it. I just don't see the situation where that would ever be a thing. Uh, Team Tank can kick rocks. The Flames closed the press level last time. They were horrendous, and a rebuild guarantees nothing. Ottawa's rebuild has been over for three years, and look where they are. Um, This from John in McKenzie Town. The thing a lot of people aren't talking about is that it takes time to learn new systems, but even longer to learn a new culture. Uh, that talking about some of the adjustments the Flames are going through this season as well. So there you go. Uh, do we have time for this one? Uh, oh, and this one says, why is everyone ready to anoint AHL guys a spot on the NHL roster? I'm a Phillips fan, but all you heard was he's an NHLer. The Flames did him wrong. And yes, I'd love for him to still be with the organization, but it's not as if he's lighting it up in Washington, one goal and two assists. Um, the only thing that I've ever said on Matthew Phillips is I just wanted to. You wanted to find out. You on wanted your own to terms. find out, and not, and you wanted to find out while he was still in your organization. That's the only thing I've ever said. I never once said I believe that without question Philly is a uh, Philly. Matthew Phillips is a bona fide, no questions asked NHLer. I didn't know. I wanted to see as a member of the Flames. I wanted to see him get that opportunity in Calgary, and unfortunately, we never really did. That was more my gripe on the Matthew Phillips front. And just for clarification, he's got one goal, three assists for four points in 17 games. Ice time is flirting between 10 and 15 minutes a night. Yeah. I mean... 11.08 on the season is his average. His Super Bowl was the game against Calgary. Well, well, that's his lone goal of his NHL his only NHL goal. Uh, he's Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg. Thanks to Taylor and Cam back downtown, our producers this hour, as we start to wrap up this hour. And thanks to you all hour on the text line. Thanks to you all hour on our Flames Talk mailbag. Try to do that like once a month, once every few weeks, something like that, because we love doing the mailbag. It's uh, always a lot of fun. And yeah, it may be easy peasy for Vickers and I, but it also is is just really fun to engage you on the text line. Thanks for doing that. We'll do it again soon, uh, and that'll wrap us up this hour on the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. This Christmas, give the gift of security with smart locks and safes. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.